Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the grace of God as we pick up in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Though they be as scarlet, they may be as white as snow. Though they be red as crimson, they may be as wool. Again, very white. What a marvelous offer by God to sinning man. And this, of course, is the offer of grace. You can't do it yourself. You can't bring it about by sacrifice, by offerings. God's sick of those. You can only do it by receiving the grace of God. Come now, let us reason together. Though you are in this terrible, hopeless state, I'll wash you, I'll cleanse you, I'll make you over again. If you be willing, that's the key. If you are willing. It has to be your choice. God is not going to force his will upon any man. For God has created you with the capacity of choice, and that would be totally meaningless unless he respected the choices that you made. So if you are willing and obedient, God said, you can eat of the good of the land, the land that is wasted and desolate and taken over by your end. You can eat of it again, the good of it again. But if you refuse and you rebel, Then you will be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. That's it. You've got your choice. Come, let's reason together. If you're willing, if you'll be obedient, you can have the best. If you continue to rebel, you're going to get cut off. Now, hey, with those kind of terms, it would be reasonable (laughs) to accept God's offer of grace. And forgiveness. That would be the only reasonable thing under those terms. It would be very unreasonable to continue in your rebellion at that rate, to be cut off. And so God speaks of Jerusalem, how has the faithful city become as a harlot? Speaking, of course, in spiritual terms, the city that God had chosen, the city that God had selected from all of the cities of the earth to place his name there, that the people might come to it to worship him. And yet they had established within the city the various groves and high places and the worship of the false gods of Mammon and Molech and Baal. It is interesting, some recent archaeological excavations that have been done above the springs of Gihon going up from the pool of Siloam and the spring of Gihon just above the two and heading on up towards the Temple Mount, recent archaeological excavations have uncovered the ruins of the ancient city of Jerusalem. Some of the houses that were there in Isaiah's day and on up to the fall of Jerusalem, they have found the ruins of the houses that were destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar when he did come in and level the city. And there are 
marvelous, interesting artifacts that they have discovered in these houses that were torn down and broken down by Nebuchadnezzar's army. And within the houses, they have found multitudes of little idols to the various gods, the pagan gods, confirming what the prophets were saying to the nation of Judah as they were warning of the impending destruction. Even as Isaiah said here, the faithful city has become a harlot because they've turned from the love of God, the true God, the living God. And as Jeremiah said, you have forsaken the fountain of living waters and you have hewn out cisterns that can't hold water. And so they're turning to these idols and to these other gods. They've turned, as God would say spiritually, unto harlotry. They become a harlot. The city is full of judgment, righteousness once lodged in it, but now murderers. Thy silver has become dross, thy wine is mixed with water. Your princes are rebellious and companions of thieves. Bribery was rampant. Everyone loves gifts and they follow after rewards and thus their judgment is perverted. They do not really judge the fatherless, neither does the cause of the widow come to them because they are receiving bribes. Total breakdown of the judicial system. Therefore saith the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, Ah, I will ease me of mine adversaries and avenge me of my enemies. And what a tragic thing when the people of God is, have become his enemy. I will turn my hand upon thee. I will purely purge away thy dross and take away all thy tin. I will restore thy judges as at the first and thy counselors as at the beginning, and afterwards thou shalt be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Now, of course, <laughs> we, we got to about as dark as you can get. God had painted a black, black background for the nation of Judah, the city of Jerusalem. Get your blackest paint. Paint the background using nothing but black, slate black. And now God takes, and in this black background, he begins to bring a shaft of light, a shaft of hope for the future. For God is going to cleanse their dross, and he will restore their judges as at the first, and your counselors as at the beginning. And afterwards, after the restoration, thou shalt be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Now she's a harlot. She's turned from God, but she shall become once again faithful unto her husband." Zion shall be redeemed with judgment and her converts with righteousness. And the destruction of the transgressors and of the sinners shall be together. And they that forsake the Lord shall be consumed, for they shall be ashamed of the oaks 
which ye have desired, and ye shall be confounded for the gardens which ye have chosen. Uh, the oaks and the gardens were a couple of the different cultish religions that they had uh, embraced there in Jerusalem. They are referred to by other prophets also, worshiping under the trees and uh, planting these gardens and using them for a form of worship of other gods. The strong shall be as a toe and the maker of it as a spark, and they shall both burn together and none shall quench them. So God will wipe out the iniquity. He'll destroy those who are guilty of iniquity, and the strong will be as a toe, which is uh, sort of a, the Hebrew word is to be cast off as a flax, the residue that is cast off, actually. So it is a broken rope or a strand that is broken, and the maker as a spark and burning it, destroying it. Now chapter 2 is introduced. Again, the word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And now God takes him out to the future. And it shall come to pass in the last days or in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow into it. So Isaiah goes from the dark, bleak history, and now he jumps forward to a day yet future when Jesus Christ the Messiah comes and establishes the kingdom. And the Jews, as the scripture said, will look upon him whom they have pierced. And they will recognize him and they will weep over him. Weep over their national blindness and their failure to recognize that he was their Messiah. And he will establish his kingdom there on the top of the mountains in Jerusalem. Traditionally, it is felt that the top of Mount Zion will be the place of the throne of Jesus Christ in the kingdom age. And this is going ahead now to the kingdom age. All nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, come, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he shall teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So the Bible tells us in other passages that the kings of the earth will come to Jerusalem to offer their gifts unto the Lord and to just have celebrations there. Now, who are the kings of the earth that are referred to here? Well, you're looking at King Charles. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
In Revelation chapter 1, as he speaks of Jesus Christ, he said unto him who loved us and gave himself for us and hath made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign with him on the earth. To the church he said, He that overcometh will I grant that he shall sit with me on the throne of my kingdom, even as I have sat down at the throne of my father's kingdom, and they shall rule over the earth with a rod of iron. And then in Revelation chapter 5, as the lamb takes the scroll out of the right hand of him who is sitting upon the throne, when the prayers of the saints are offered before the throne of God, the golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints, they sang a new song saying, Worthy is the Lamb to take the scroll and loose the seals, for he was slain and he has redeemed us by his blood out of all of the nations, tribes, tongues, and people, and hath made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign with him upon the earth. So actually, it's talking about you. When it says, come, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways. And we will walk in his paths. Won't it be exciting to go to Jerusalem and just sit down and let Jesus teach us for a while? No, that sounds so exciting to me. That's just thrilling to me, the concept and the whole idea and, and all to realize that we'll be having annual trips to Jerusalem just to sit there and to listen to the Lord expound the love and the grace and the goodness of God unto us. The law of the Lord. He will teach us of his ways for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people and shall beat their, they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks and nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Looking forward to that glorious day when Jesus is reigning and the military budgets are used for agricultural development, beating their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. The day is coming when no one is going to have to fear war anymore. You're not going to have to fear mass destruction. You're not going to have to fear the exotic poison gases, neutron, hydrogen bombs. They'll study war no more. The war colleges will all be closed. And the Lord will reign. Therefore, now God is, this is the blessing that's going to come, but before the blessing can come, there's going to be some rough times. Therefore thou hast forsaken thy people, the house of Jacob, because they be replenished from the east, and soothsayers are like the Philistines, and they please themselves in the children of strangers. 
Their land also is full of silver and gold, neither is there any end of their treasures. Their land also is full of horses, neither in the end of their chariots. Their land also is full of idols, and they worship the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made. So the idea of man worshiping and serving the creature more than the creator is brought up here. Men worshiping the works of their own hands more than the creator. What an apt description of humanism. And really, the materialism of the present day where man has placed his value upon the material objects, the work of his own hands, rather than upon the Lord. God speaks of this time. And the mean man bows down, and the great man humbles himself, therefore forgive them not. Enter into the rock, hide thee in the dust for fear of the Lord, for the glory of his majesty. The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall come upon every one that is proud and lofty, and every one that is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. Now, this could very well be referring to the time after the exodus of the church. For when the church makes its exodus out of the world, it's going to be a time of great world prosperity for a time. At the beginning of the reign of the man of sin, people are going to be singing happy days are here again because this man is going to come in with a program of peace and of economic prosperity. And they will move in to take the wealth of the church that has departed. Now, they're going to have this 20 acres and these buildings, my house, my car. They can have it all, you know. And suddenly you're going to have all of this extra thrown in to the whole economy. And, and you won't have the housing shortage in Orange County. <laughs> There'll be a lot of empty houses for people to move into. People can grab a second car. And they're going to really get into a, a real materialistic kick because of all of these things that have been left. But then, after three and a half years, then God is going to bring down the proud. God is going to begin to smite the earth. The day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon every one that is proud and lofty and upon every one that is lifted up, and they will be brought low. Upon all the cedars of Lebanon and those that are high and lifted up and upon the oaks of Bashan. Upon all the high mountains, upon the hills that are lifted up, and upon every high tower, upon every fenced wall, upon all the ships of Tarshish, upon the pleasant pictures, the loftiness of man shall be bowed down, the haughtiness of men shall be made low, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day, and the idols he shall utterly abolish, and they shall go into the holes and the rocks and into the caves of the earth for fear of the Lord. Remember in Revelation, in the sixth seal, it said, and they cried unto the rocks and mountains, Fall on us and hide us from the face of the Lamb, for the day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? 
going into the holes and the rocks, the caves of the earth, for the fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake terribly the earth. God said, once more, I'm going to shake this earth until everything that can be shaken shall be shaken until only that which cannot be shaken shall remain. And all of these lofty works of men, man, I wouldn't want to be downtown Los Angeles when this shaking takes place. All of these lofty works of men brought low. In that day a man shall cast his idols of silver and idols of gold, which they have made each one for himself to worship to the moles and to the bats, and they'll go into the clefts of the rocks, to the tops of the ragged rocks for the fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake terribly the earth. Uh, you read how that in Athens and in Italy there, after the earthquakes, the people were living outside. They were afraid to go back in the houses because of the shaking and all. Be the same experience only on a worldwide basis where people will be afraid to move back in the houses and they'll get a cave or something to live in for a while for fear of the shaking that has taken place as God once more shakes the earth terribly. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Isaiah on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Isaiah 1-2 through when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. And now may the Lord help you to assimilate that which we have studied, and may he bring to your remembrance those things which he has commanded. And may you be enriched in the knowledge of God and his will and his plan for your life. May the Lord be with you, to bless you, to guide you, and may you be kept by that power of God through faith and trust in him. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. I am Goliath. (laughs) What's going on? There's a big, scary giant and we're afraid. Don't be afraid. We have God on our side. My name is David, and I know all about big, scary giants. 
I've defeated lions and bears, and God will help me defeat Goliath, too. It's true, and Pastor Chuck wants to tell you all about the story of David and Goliath in his new book, Just for Kids. So come along on a great adventure and discover how God used David to defeat a big, scary giant, and learn why David believed that God was big enough even to conquer Goliath. And as a gift, each book contains an audio CD of Pastor Chuck actually reading the story of David and Goliath so your kids can read along. To order your copy, call the word for today at 800-272-WORD, or to see a sneak preview of the story of David and Goliath, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.